Hello and welcome to Of The People. I am Robert Chernin with my lovely co-host. Erica Reddick. We have just finished two days at the First in the Nation Summit in New Hampshire. All the presidential candidates, or most all of them, were here. It was a phenomenal event. We just sat down, I just sat down with Chairman Ager, Chairman Chris Ager from the New Hampshire GOP, just to talk about the event a little bit. I want to play that for everyone first, just to give you a sense of how great this re event really was. Yeah. And then we're going to come back and go over and talk about everyone we sat with, everyone we talked to, and what the real takeaways were from just a fabulous First in the Nation New Hampshire event. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Here's the interview with Chairman Aker. We have with us the chairman of the New Hampshire Republican Party who just pulled off and organized and a great first in the nation event. We're at the end of the event. I'm surprised he's still standing, but the event was awesome. Mr. Chairman, Chris, welcome to Of The People and congratulations on really putting together a first rate political event for all the candidates that went off like clockwork. No, well, thank you, uh, Bob, and look, thank you for coming here to help cover it because having uh, media and radio coverage, podcasts, adds to the event. It adds to the uh, the excitement. It makes people know that this is important, and it allows people to get their voice out. So, so thank you for coming and having Erica here. Even better. It's always better having Erica of here. Course. That's that, that's for sure. She Erica makes everything better. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. uh, highlights of the event to you, and I and again, there were so many personalities. I'm not asking yeah. highlights about this sure. person or that person because sure. we, you know we're 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 taking no um, endorsements. But I just right. highlights of the event to you because it really was just a smashing event. Yeah. So we had over 30 speakers, um, not only presidential candidates but thought leaders, and it wasn't just one piece of the party. It was the entire spectrum. So the First Nation Leadership Summit, the leadership part is not a, a small sliver of the party. It's the entire party. We have a big tent. Um, we had uh, everything from what you would might want to call, you know, MAGA to, you know, establishment to walkaway folks. We had sponsors from businesses, law cabinet Republicans, religious affiliated groups, uh, the entire big tent of the Republican Party. Uh, we had union representatives here that have unions that have 40% of their membership are Republicans or, or vote Republican. Um, we do not want to push anyone away. If you believe like we do in smaller government, personal freedom and responsibility, low taxes, local control, you're welcome in our party. Appreciate that. And you made that eminently clear in your opening speech that we are a big tent party and that if you go especially in New Hampshire for the voters I think it's a roughly a 30 percent Republican registration maybe about a 30 percent maybe a little more Democrat so it's all about the independence and being you know let's find what we have in common not what separates us right no exactly Republicans and Democrats are almost identical at 30 percent and so that means you have 40 percent who are undeclared a lot of them traditionally vote one way or the other but a lot of them swing back and forth. We also have this phenomenon of, of split ticket voting. People right. will vote Republican at one level, Democrat at a different level. So you have to fight for every vote. It's not just get out the vote, it's persuading people you have a better approach. Uh, and it's not just you know the talking points, it's how can you improve people's lives by the policies you put forward. And, and that's what the Republican Party is all about. You know, Talking points are easy. I mean, anybody can give a speech. But if you look at what's happened in New Hampshire, we've delivered. We've got an amazing economy. Um, people are working. People are happy. Crime rate low. 
uh, except for the Democratic-run cities. The rest of the state. Well, there's is, a surprise. Yeah, shocking. Shocking, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they don't call it Manchganistan for nothing. And now the woman who was mayor of uh, Manchester, still is, wants to run for governor after she's almost destroyed the city. Yeah, look at what I did to Manchester. I'll do this to New Hampshire. Yeah. Hardly oh, a selling boy. point. No, terrible. So, but, but the summit, I think, was very uplifting for people uh, because they could see the breadth of the party. You know, we, we had speakers from across the spectrum pitching the same thing, that Republicans can help improve people's lives, policies that are going to help people. And, uh, you know, we had amazing people on the stage, some of whom may not like each other or they may clash on policy or personality, but they all agreed to come, they all agreed to speak, and the messages were very consistent. You know, for the good of the country, the good of the state, let's get Republicans, better policies, better for the American pe and people and the Granite Staters. I got it. And I'll tell you the other thing that I took away from all of this is the, is the get involved, right? Speeches are great. I thought all the speeches were great. But for everyone here, there was an energy that, I won't say I was surprised that it was here, but I was glad that it was here because it's always about action, right? It's always about results. It's always about getting engaged. Right. And I think you very much pulled that off. So kudos and congratulations. No, well, it, thanks. I give you a business card, but um, as you're saying, a lot of people yeah. are saying, Chris, I want to help. I just had a woman on the way here, literally on the way walking to this interview, said, Chris, I'm a lawyer. I want to help with election integrity. Nice. Here's my card. Please let me know how I can help. And I'm like, great. We have an election integrity committee. We'll get you on it. I mean, that's, to get a lawyer to volunteer to do that on the spot just because she saw this uh, seminar, that's fantastic. I could replicate stories like that up and down. People from out of state, some came here. A lot, like, a lot came here from yeah, out of state. Yeah, they're saying, how can we help you in New Hampshire? Because we're the only state with a Republican state house from Maryland to Maine. Right. And so other people saying, hey, if I can't help in my state, how can I at least keep some sanity in the Northeast? And so we're, we're very happy for that help. And we need it because Democrats outraise us five to one in out-of-state money. So I'm saying, says, Chris, how can you take out-of-state help? I'm like, guys, the other side's got us beat five to one. At least if we have parity, we have a more fair fight. Even with that, we still have the state house so it means our policies are working we just need to keep working at it there's no rest for the weary we, we got to kick this in gear and keep it in gear through november 24. And, and with you at the helm i'm more confident now than i've ever been and i mean that sincerely that's not that's not patronizing you have done an excellent right. job thank you so much for coming and i know you're crazy busy we're cleaning up around here so uh, i'm sure you want to get some rest because you probably haven't slept in days folks yeah. we're talking with chris ager the chairman of the new hampshire gop who just pulled off an incredible First in the Nation Summit two-day event here. And if you weren't here, you should have been. Great time. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Chris. All right. Hello, and welcome back to Of the People. I am Robert Chernin with Erica Reddick, my co-host, my partner in crime. That was Chairman Chris Ager, New Hampshire GOP. Really just a terrific event. But yeah. Erica, there were so many people that we got to talk to. And yeah. there were really just such passion, such energy for you know the Republican or conservative causes you spoke with Brandon Straka, yeah. walk away moment. Yeah. Just a powerful interview. I caught part of it, obviously. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts? What's your takeaway? I mean, he's been, he's been, um, he's been targeted. Yes. Because he's so effective. Right? Yes, exactly. And that's why I, I wore, I repped my hashtag walk away t-shirt today, knowing that we were going to get to talk to him. 
I was fangirling a little bit on the inside uh, because he was part of my hashtag walkaway story. So for folks who have been listening to me, I used to be liberal, not anymore. Um, but he got very successful at um, being a voice for the disaffected. And so they really have targeted him. They, they took down his website, his social media, um, and just seeing the way that the machine has gone after him and hearing it, uh, you guys go check his stuff out, go buy some merch, support the hashtag walkaway movement. Uh, he was probably my favorite interview because you know, I love the cultural stuff and, uh, he had some suggestions for what I should do with my hair next. So, um, I don't have that problem with hair, you know that. <laughs> but, I, but, but, you know, it does remind me of an old saying, not the hair part, by the way, yeah. which is Winston Churchill once famously said that if you are not a liberal in your youth, yeah. you have no heart. Yeah. And if you're not a conservative as you get older, you have no brains. No brains. So, if um, I only had great, a brain. Great. Uh, um, you're saying you're saying is this is the scarecrow? Yes. Wizard of Oz? Yes. Okay, so I got that. I got that cultural <laughs> reference. She makes fun of me all the time because I don't get cultural references. There's only what, twenty years, thirty years between us? I mean, what's the age difference? Um a couple I generations. You were only in your forties. I oh, thought you were right. the same age as me, Robert. Right. Aren't we? Don't think so. Oh my goodness. Speaking of of cultural uh uh, connections. You got to speak with former Governor Chris Christie, another Jersey boy. What did you think about that interview? Okay, in, in all fairness, it, it was a Jersey thing. Yeah. If you're not from Jersey, you won't get it. You but don't I will get it. But I, will tell, very... but I will tell you that that was one of my, if not my favorite interview. He is so candid. He mm. is so unvarnished. He was powerful in his conversations. He was clear on uh, the, the moral, une, une, unequivocal support of Israel. There is no moral mm. equivalency. He was very strong in that. Mm. And the truth is, you know, he did govern in a blue state. He did win election twice. And he, his interview, he was just candid. And it, it was a Jersey thing. Yeah. So, so it was. I was very appreciative of him taking the time. Uh, the governor, and I, you know, I've known the governor, thirty years. Yeah. Right, uh, from way back in the day of, of Jersey. Uh, so it was really nice for him to take the time to sit down and talk to him. I really enjoyed that interview yeah. with him. And uh, hopefully we'll have him back on the show for a full show. Yeah. And you also got to talk to Governor Asa Hutchinson. I did. So, so you had Governor's Row. Um, I think there were, yeah, actually, and Governor Burgum, actually. So there was three, three governors. So, so let, let's talk about Governor Hutchinson. So Governor Hutchinson, again, you know, these are all such accomplished uh, men or women uh, in their lives and you know being a governor you're running a state so you're a president but you're president of a state right yeah um, he, he was three times elected to Congress he ran the DEA right drug enforcement we oh, talked to, wow. so we talked we talked with him a little bit about the fentanyl crisis and really what's mm. going on with that um, he obviously was elected twice as governor last time as I recall was a landslide so you know again he's, he's got name ID issues he, he, you know, he made the first debate stage. Mm. He didn't make the second one. But you know, he was here. He was mixing with the people. That's right. He, uh, um, he took everybody's questions. He took the time. And again, if you've never been to one of these events, right? I mean, the bigger events when you go to like a a, a um, 
convention or you go to mm. a debate, they don't have time for this. But this was down home New Hampshire. Yeah. And, and folks, New Hampshire, like I grew up in New Jersey, I'm the land of the of Tammany Hall Redux, which is the political machine. Governor Governor Hutchinson took the time, they all did to be honest. Yeah. Right. And then we spoke with we were you know fortunate enough to speak with Duff, uh, Governor Burgum as well. Yep. Um, there is such a Midwestern sensibility about him yes. and that he's he's accomplished so much. And there was something that and look, let's be honest, um, you know, obviously, you know, he's on the first tier. Yeah. But, you know, he's not he doesn't have the name ID as well. Yeah. He's really struggling for recognition, but his message is sound. Yep. Um, he was very strong on, on energy, obviously, in North Dakota. You know, that's a big deal up there. Yeah. But he also understood, he also had a grasp of the global, certainly um, the global war on terror, the culture war abroad. So speaking with him, also, also, also great. But yeah. I want to segue. I, we're going to go back to you because. Well, and hold on. Wait, okay. I want to make sure we remind our viewers. So we got to talk to all these folks. You're going to be able to see these interviews right. online, on social media. We're going to be bringing some of these folks back on for a full episode of, of the people. So we're really excited. These are little snippets you're going to be able to enjoy uh, to get to know these candidates better. Make sure you come watch, check out the social media, and be on the lookout for our future episodes. Well said, thank you. Yeah. She always keeps me in line. I, uh, I got to do the, the call outs. You do well, and we can tell them where to find all this stuff, but we'll do that next time. Yeah. Because I was really excited for you. Yeah. I know the fangirl thing with, with you know, walk away was one thing, but you got to talk to Hercules. Yeah. I mean, come on. Does yeah, it get I mean, any better than that? It doesn't. I mean. It doesn't. You know, this Kevin, is. Kevin Serbo, folks. Yeah actually was here at the show. He was signing autographs. He was giving away, you know, yep. he was selling his, his books. What a, I mean, he is such a force in Hollywood. He probably stands alone as one of the true conservative forces in Hollywood that yeah. speaks up, been canceled Openly. for it, yep. right? Uh, his wife as well, who was here. Yep. Um, talk to me about it because, I mean, I was watching, you had a smile on your face yeah. from ear to ear because, she, so to our producer, Ben, I know you have nothing to worry about, but, but she was starstruck talk, <laughs> talking to Hercules. I just want you to know as her husband. So, you know, I mean, I was always taught, you know, never trade down, but I don't know Hercules. So. No, no. He and Sam Sorbo were, uh, his wife, Sam Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo, just really nice, authentic people. Um, it, you know, especially when you're talking about Hollywood folks, they're often very fake and you can tell they're inauthentic and they're saying whatever they need to say to get the job, to get the gig, to get through whatever. And, uh, and it just was nice to talk to people in film who are just real. Um, he was like a fire hose though. Oh yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, you, it, I you want to listen to this thing. interview? He was first of all, so clear on the, let's call it moral rot in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, and, and he said, I heard him say to you that it was even in the 60s, right? It started to change in the 60s and he used, I think, Butch Cassidy and Sundance yes. Kid as an example where we started to make heroes out of villains yeah. in Hollywood and it changes the moral culture in Hollywood. Mm. I, mean, it, I think it was a powerful point. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was, well, I'm telling you, it was an unvarnished interview with Hercules. Oh, absolutely. And that's, he's, you guys, he has a custom vest uh, with his tweets printed on it. 
Is that what that was? It was. <laughs> I don't know how to get that one for myself, but I feel well, like you, I'm going to need. You that would at need some a dress. You future. have so many tweets. You would need a dress <laughs> and not a vest. So. Uh, it was good though. It was good because you know independent film is so important to Benjamin and I, and uh, especially creating good quality, family friendly movies uh, is a big passion and a big goal of ours. So. Uh, if you got money, if you're an investor and you want to make some good movies, holler at your girl, okay? Holler at me. Terrific. And you also interviewed Ryan Binkley. Yeah. Texas uh, candidate for president. Pastor, right? Is yeah. he a pastor? Yes. As a pastor. And, you know, I had the chance actually ran into him in the elevator, was chatting with him after yeah. your interview on the way up. What a nice guy. Just, yeah. I mean, down to earth, nice guy. But, I mean, you spent a fair bit of time with him. I um, did. Again, name ID, not there. He's clearly, folks, not going to be president. Okay. But. Uh, but uh, worth going to check him out, But you worth guys. going to see what it, what his it's message like is. Binkley.com, Brian like basic website uh first of all wait can somebody grab his hats can somebody grab his hats for me um oh, really on hats. My, my head's not cold no we gotta show his hats because they're ridiculous um this is uh one of his hats you guys it says way to freedom i was like this Believe. is good this is some good marketing i'm feeling that Right. Uh, so he's clearly got a good marketing Bankly team. 2024. Uh, but I like the fact that he was an investment banker. Smart guy. Smart so guy. he's no dummy. Um, Didn't I just say that when I said smart guy? Yeah. You were talking in the negative. He's no dummy. I just said he's a smart guy. You know, same difference. Okay. Six and one half a dozen of the you other. You say potato, I say potato. I say Let's potato, call the whole thing off, potato. right? Potato. Potato. Right. Yeah, not that so was, well, though. That was not good. <laughs> We're going to cut that section. <laughs> no, but it was, I, I just love the idea that uh, we have somebody who is an open Christian, unabashedly faith-based candidate. So that was one of my favorite parts. Also, smart guy, great ideas. Check him out. Got it. You know, Erica, just so much, so many good people we sat with, so, so much information to really process. Yeah. It really... It, you know, I, I know that most people are so busy with their lives that they don't have time to do these kinds of things. But if you get the chance to hear a candidate, if you get the chance to meet them in person, you really should go. You gotta there, come. There's some more people we want to talk about, but we we do have to go to station break. Folks, I'm Robert Chernin of The People with Erica Reddick. my lovely co-host. We will be right back from break. Stay tuned. From conservative commentator and contributor to Breitbart News, The American Spectator, The Jerusalem Post, The New Civil War, Exposing Elites, Fighting Utopian Leftism, and Restoring America, Bruce D. Abramson brings a transformative exploration into how progressivism has poisoned America. Featuring a foreword by President Trump's former strategist, Sebastian Gorka, PhD, The New Civil War will open your eyes to the left's incendiary agenda and how patriotic Americans can fight back. We are living through a national trauma. The United States has jettisoned the rule of law and ceased functioning as a republic. Battle lines have been drawn. Progressives are moving quickly to cement their transformation of the country's beliefs, attitudes, 
values, social structures, economic models, and government organizations. Patriotic Americans are waking up to recognize that conservatism failed to conserve much of anything. Progressives control academia, media, the civil service, and several of our country's most important industries. The new civil war is not a call for war. It is a recognition that war has been declared on us. Our sacred love of liberty is under attack. Unless we defend it, the America we love may be lost. This book is for every patriotic American eager to defeat the utopian left and restore America. Joel Pollack, conservative journalist. Americans face a bizarre new political landscape. A supposedly moderate president who ran on promises of unity is pursuing a radical left-wing agenda. These challenges call for principled, effective opposition. The new civil war will help start a conversation about how to push back. Harmeet Dillon, civil rights lawyer. As a lawyer who defends the victims of progressivism every day, I have looked into the eyes of the thought police. The new civil war provides the wake-up call American needs and serves as a self-defense manual for patriotic Americans. Get your copy of The New Civil War today. Welcome back to Of The People, Robert Chernin, of course, and... Oh, oh, that's my cue, Eric <laughs> Heretic. Eric Heretic. You guys, it's been a long day. I'm tired. It's been a, by I'm the, not gonna lie. Yeah, after the after the show and before the alcohol. So, <laughs> so okay, so you had some really interesting folks that I think people are going to be really excited to hear the interviews uh, with. So Tyler Boyer. Turning Point Action USA, the largest youth grassroots conservative organization in the country who has been doing incredible work outside the party structure. That's what people need to understand. Yeah. I mean, the political parties are important. I would say these days that they're less important than they used to be. You know, they're limited. They're, they're, there's, you know, campaign funding issues. There's, and let's face it, parties are filled with people. And there are some politics even within all of that. And, and, it, and it doesn't always produce the most effective organization. So here you have Turning Point USA Action, the largest conservative youth organization in the country that is signing up, continuing to sign up members that we have. Turning Point USA Action's uh, convention is, I think it's in November. November December. Is it December, early December in Arizona, which we will, yeah. be, which we will yep. be at as America well. America Fest. So we, we talked to Tyler, sort of caught up with what they were doing. They continue to sign up members they continue to sign up chapters and they're really dry you know more than anything else we're losing the battle in education but by organizing and training and educating them through turning point usa yeah. and those kinds of organizations those are the future leaders yep. of the conservative movement if there even is such a thing now you do know that my argument is that there is no such thing as the conservative party anymore because how can you conserve what you've already lost right you can restore but you can only conserve something you haven't lost, which is a conversation you and I have had yeah. over time. But yeah. talking to Tyler was great. He was, you know, just, again, accessible, available, and just, you know, down to earth. Down to earth, yeah. What did you think about Perry Johnson? Smart guy, successful businessman. 
we didn't really have enough time to go into. So you know, he wrote a book, you know, two points to you know, two cents to save America, mm -hmm. but it's this yeah. ten point action plan, and it's really focused on economics and okay. and the sort of the economic risk of the of the American way. That mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, if we lose our economic engine, you lose everything else. You can't fund military, yeah. you can't fund border security, can't you can't fund you know education, those kinds of things. I thought he was, again, good guy, nice guy, very accessible. I thought he was smart and he, again, they all wrestle, you know, if you're not in the top tier, they're wrestling with name ID and those kinds mm. of things. Yeah. I mean, again, we'd love to talk to him a little more in depth, but Really, again, a nice guy. And you don't, you know, you see these people on TV. Until, until you sat in front of them, right? Until you've sat in front of them, you don't really, because, you know, I know we live in a Zoom world and obviously we're coming to you, you know, via video or via, you know, television or streaming, however you're seeing this show. Yeah, but right, until yeah. you've sat in front of people, you got to sort of feel people. What, yeah. what they feel like, you know, their energy, how accessible they are. Yeah. So Perry Johnson, Great guy. Would love yeah. to have a more follow-up conversation with him. Yeah, I I appreciated. I didn't really understand what you meant by retail politics before we got here. You've mentioned that term before many times. And you know, I've been to the America Fests and these massive conventions with you know fifteen thousand people, but they literally uh, nearly everyone was just in the crowd, available, right. making themselves available to talk to voters, guests, constituents. They weren't just talking to us, they were talking to everyone. So it's, it's been they a did. very it's been very intimate. You get to see these people more as themselves than these like over the top figures that are just on the TVs, you know? And so um I just so, so I second what you said earlier. If you get an opportunity to come to an event like this in your state, you absolutely have to go check it out. And Erica, well said. So my word is distance. Right? Mm. When you see people on the camera, it's one thing, but it creates a, a distance between between yeah. the candidates. So retail yeah. politicking, we call it belly to belly politicking. Okay. Right? You've got to get belly to belly with people. You've got to talk to people. And mm. in New Hampshire, like again, I've said before, I grew up in New Jersey, and you would see the candidate, but you know, again, you know, it was a greeting line or it was a photo op. Here, you really got to talk with them one on one, and even when they weren't sitting for us with an interview, yeah, they were right over there or right Literally. over there and they were mingling and everyone was talking and it really was um, refreshing and that's what I call retail politics. New Hampshire demands it. The, the Granite Staters have come to expect it. And I will say the other thing is the people that we spoke to who were not, let's say, you know, the, the VIPs or the ones that were coming, yeah. even the average voters or the average, they were really informed, they were really knowledgeable, and they're involved in the process. And that's really yes. the other takeaway for me is, because words are words, right? You listen to everyone speak, everyone is, I mean, most of them are similar and it's a little different delivery, but it's what action is propelled from that. Yeah. But, and speaking, speaking of action, I wanna talk about so this woman that you spoke to, who was detransitioning, Katie Anderson, yeah. what a powerful, powerful interview with that. And I know because you went with her a long time in terms of the interview, we're gonna show you some of it. You know, it, 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 maybe the next show, I don't know when we're gonna get to it, but we're gonna show you pieces of that. Yeah. We can't show, it was too long, but it, what, talk about it because I was so moved yeah. listening to this. I mean, her story, 
I mean, you and I talk about their story of redemption. I don't even know that this would be called redemption, but the story of Savior, what yeah. is it? What is it? How do you talk to me? You know what it is? I uh, am getting emotional talking about it. Um, you guys get to see me like, I, I am totally a crier for the record, so forgive me. Um, the, the courage to stand up. Uh, you know, Benjamin and I, Whenever you hear me talking, I, I look for every opportunity to bring up Catalyst Collective and their program called The Purpose Project because every human being needs three things to really thrive, identity, belonging, and purpose. And what the trans ideology feeds on right now is that there are so many young people who lack identity, belonging, and purpose. Um, you know, they're getting raised in broken homes. Right. They're getting raised by social media, by our government-run schools, and they are lost, and they are desperately seeking a foundation right. or something to hold on to, to meaning, and to just see how our culture is currently not providing those things, but instead tearing people down. But this, in particular, her story. Oh, my God. So she... I mean, it, it's an incredible story. It's about 10... So about 10 years between when she started transitioning and today. And so she's just really been through it. Uh, she shared with me what it was like, how she felt lost, um, what she did to try to find herself, how they harmed her, the medical problems she's... Uh, come up against from the transition and the, the transition uh, or detransition the transition and the, the barbarism of the people who helped her transition and now what she's facing and it was actually the consequences of her transition to, from female to male that ultimately had her detransition back to being female and realizing uh, that her identity and belonging needed to come from from her her faith and uh, and her religion, her beliefs, and just how beautiful of a story and so much courage, you guys. I can't wait for you to get to hear her interview. It was so good. Yeah, it it, it was powerful. So we look yeah. forward to talk. Then and maybe we can have her on because that's Absolutely. that's independent. I mean, that's independent of politics. It obviously harkens to the woke culture and and the. Um, transformation they're trying to foist or force upon society yeah that's for sure but but yeah. anyway it was a really powerful yep. interview you're not you're gonna want to miss it her name she is did say young woman's name is Katie Anderson Katie Anderson, Katie she, did Anderson. Say she would come on the show good so we're definitely gonna have a longer form interview good. with her yeah um, Chuck Morris Chuck Morris so we also got so if you just think we were talking about presidential politics we also got into gubernatorial politics Here in New Hampshire, because New Hampshire is having a governor's race. Governor Sununu, as the listeners all know, is, is not seeking re-election. Chuck Morris was kind enough to take some time with us. He is the former Senate president. He is also <laughs> the chairman of the term limits. Um, yes. You okay? Oh, just yeah. got to make sure. I'm just choking you know, over here. I just, just got to make sure my co-host isn't going to die on no me. Any, anything. The man behind the curtain. Exactly. I am Oz, right? Oh, sorry, <laughs> wrong show. Um, 
So, so, That's but, two but, Wizard of Oz references in I, one show. I, well, you had one. I had to have one. Yeah. It's okay. All right. Okay. So, but seriously, folks, Chuck Morris came by, former Senate president. He's the chairman of U.S. term limits as well. Yeah. He's running for governor. There is obviously a primary for the Republican gubernatorial nominee to be the nominee. But again, seasoned veteran cares about New Hampshire, understands the, the, the drug crisis that's going on yeah. around the country, but certainly in, in New Hampshire. Yeah, here and, in England. And incredibly, um, and, and I think he was a prosecutor as well. Oh. Um, so again, you're not gonna wanna miss that interview. We were able to spend a little bit of time with him as well. Um, he would honestly make a good governor. Now, I don't yeah. know how the race goes, but definitely someone that you wanna learn about and we were happy to talk to him. Well, I'm curious how he's going to handle the 50-50 legislature if he becomes governor. Well, let's hope he has a 50-50 yeah. legislature when he is governor, or if he becomes governor. Make right? sure you guys get out and vote. Because, I, beli sure. because I believe the, the last of those three races is January okay. of 2023. Don't hold right. me to that. All right. And don't hold me to the fact that we have to go to break again. Yeah. No, she's not dying. We have to no, go to break again, um, and we're going to be right back with the last part of telling you about New Hampshire's First in the Nation Summit, which really it was just a privilege so to be fun. here. So much fun. We'll be right back. Everybody, Erica Reddick, also known as Generally Irritable. Special shout out and thanks to our Of The People radio and podcast listeners and to our Rumble viewers. We sort of had to give up on YouTube a little bit because uh, they don't like the things that we say. So you guys make sure you go check us out on Rumble. And also while you're there, go ahead, click subscribe, follow, Generally Irritable. You hear Robert and I talk about it a lot, and you might ask yourself, what's the difference? Well, at Generally Irritable, we're not just covering news and politics, but we're talking about how news and politics intersects with culture. We get to go to live events like the How Many More Rally at the Austin Capitol, America Fest hosted by Turning Point USA. Talk to and interview some of your favorite pundits, politicians, and podcasters to see what they think about where we are at in the American experiment today. Why do we do it? Because we believe that an engaged and informed electorate is the best way to save the American Republic. You'll even find cameos from our producer, uh, Lord Benjamin, AKA Lord Violence, AKA a darker perspective. That's where you can find him on Twitter. You can find me on all of the socials under Generally Irritable, literally all of them. Twitter, you're gonna find me as Erica Reddick, E-R-I-C-K-A-R-E-D-I-C. -E and most importantly, engage, because we need you to overcome the evil big tech overlords. You gotta share, you gotta comment, you gotta like, you gotta hit that rumble button. America came into being based on a shared belief 
and a common set of values. Unlike other nations that were bound together based on common ancestry, race, or caste, we came into being based on a simple and shared set of ideals. That the power of government is based on the consent of the governed. That life, the freedom to live life on our own terms in our own way, free from government interference, and liberty, our most precious value, and the pursuit of happiness, which means we are free to pursue that which we choose with the knowledge and courage to know that nothing is guaranteed to us in this life. Those values, America was founded on these basic inalienable rights. Freedom to pray to God in our own way. Freedom to think and speak freely without fear of punishment or harm. And freedom to gather in our places of worship and in our local taverns freedom to defend ourselves, our families, our homes, and our neighbors as we see fit. The American Center for Education and Knowledge is dedicated to protecting American exceptionalism anywhere and everywhere it is threatened. ASIC is a 501c3 and depends on your tax-deductible donations. Please help us continue our fight. We are back with Of The People, New Hampshire First on the Nation Summit. That's Erica, I'm Robert. I figure you guys know that by now. Yeah. I want to put this in perspective. Look, you know, we didn't get to talk to everybody. We heard, we, we listened yeah. to a lot of speeches. Governor DeSantis was here. Gov right. Governor yeah. and Ambassador Nikki, Nikki Haley was yeah. here. Vice President right. Pence. Vice President Pence was here. Vivek Ramaswamy. They were all here, except for, of course, Donald Trump. President yeah. Trump was here. So, you know, again, when you come to these things, you try to get five minutes with them. Some of them, obviously, some of them are the rock stars, if you will. Yeah. We, we were struggling a little bit just because of the time, but there was yeah. a lot here to talk to. But there are so many other people who were not household names, not yeah. running for president that were here, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, as an example, uh, Morgan Ortegas. Powerful, smart, powerful. What a, what a mess. So, so Mor yeah, Morgan tell, to make sure to tell our viewers a little bit. Okay. They probably haven't heard her name. Well, if you watch Fox News, you've heard her name. Okay. She's been on Fox News. Okay. So Morgan Ortegas is the founder of the Polaris National Security. But before that, you would probably know her because she was a spokesperson mm. for the State Department when Mike Pompeo was Secretary of State. Uh, right? So she's the founder. That's right. That's but, right. But, but she is her. She has a think tank that really goes into the different aspects of national security. Now, okay. obviously, topical. The war, Hamas's war against Israel, it was all over this event. She was so clear, so powerful okay. about the threats of Hamas, Israel's um, not only need, but, but right to uh, retaliate and fight Hamas. We're not talking about flattening Gaza. She wasn't talking, she was talking about Israel's right to defend itself and take care of that threat for future generations in, in Israel. And then she talked, you know, we were able to talk to her a little more globally about the southern border and the problem yep. with people coming across and the fact that, and again, this is a woman who she served in the Navy. She's a former intelligence officer. She, again, was a spokesperson for Mike Pompeo, who I would argue is one of the most effective secretaries of state. As she said in our interview, she said, if the Washington Post calls you the worst secretary of state ever, ever you know you're, you're doing, doing it. You're doing something right. 
you're doing a good job. Yeah. And then we talked you about the, the, the head of the serpent, which is obviously Iran. I, I know everyone says mm. Iran, but really it's, it's Iran. Mm. That's the way they pronounce it. Yeah. So might as well be respectful at least a little bit. So, <laughs> but a powerful interview with Morgan Ortegas. You don't want to miss that. She really yeah. um, distilled everything in such a clear message about the threat, about mm. Israel's right to defend itself, and that this really, the threat from Iran is really ground zero in all of this. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Hello, welcome to Of The People. We are excited to have with us Morgan Ortegas, founder of Polaris National Security, also former spokesperson for Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State. Morgan, welcome to Of The People. Thank you, good and, to be here. And welcome to the First in the Nation Summit. How's it going for you? Uh, this is the, let's see, my third event in New Hampshire. I've been coming here since the summer doing national security forums, and I think I'm an honorary Granite Stater, or close to it. I, I think you need to come a few more times. A few but more times, okay. So, so I've lived in the, the in the Granite State for 10 years, and I'm still considered a flatlander. Okay, so just so we're clear. But I appreciate you taking the time. Look, these are serious times. I want to talk a little bit about Israel. I want to talk a little bit about the southern border. What's the latest update on Israel? I know they were starting a, a, a ground incursion. I know there's concern that public opinion is going to turn the other way, and then this White House may uh, equivocate or establish a moral equivalency. T tell us what you know, and tell us what we can expect. So I don't think that the ground invasion, at least at this moment, has started in full force. Of course, they have started some raids, some operations. You're obviously seeing rockets going back and forth. The concerning thing, of course, you know, Israel's going to be able to take care of uh, Hamas in Gaza. I'm not as, as worried about that as I am about what happens with Hezbollah in the north, uh, what happens from Syria. There was some, reportedly some rockets that came from Syria into the Golan Heights. And does this end up turning into a multi-front war? Uh, for Israel. You know, they're surrounded by their enemies. We saw, sadly, uh, 50 years ago in the Yom Kippur War, what can happen to the state of Israel. And it's such a tiny country surrounded by enemies that its very existence is questionable, right? All of the times. It's, it's, it's easy for enemies to get, to get together and to encircle it and to try to uh, destroy the Jewish state. And that is exactly what their intention is, that what, that's what their plan is. And so uh, we need to stand with Israel. I was glad that the president and Secretary uh, Blinken had strong words of standing by Israel this week, but that needs to happen not just this week, it needs to happen exactly. next week and the week after and months down the road whenever they are still trying to eliminate the terrorist threat from Gaza. I could not agree more. Thank you for that because we, we're hearing some moral equivalency. I don't know how you establish a moral equivalency and the EU has already put out requests for proportionate response. Um, Israel's not known for raping women or beheading babies, so I'm not sure yeah. what. How do you proportionally it. respond to, just, to rapes and beheadings yeah, and burning I, families alive? Right. I'd love to know what a proportional response is to that. Right. I I, I don't understand. Can I just know I, we've been through this before. You and I. I've been to Israel many times. I heard your speech. I've stood on the Golan Heights. If you have not yes. been to the Golan Heights go. and, un and, and understand, first of all, go. I agree. And I, and if you look down, you understand why it was so important, A, to take the Golan Heights and it's so important for President Trump to do what he did with recognizing the Golan Heights. You know, the Golan is part of Israel. Uh, but the concern is a multi-front war. How do you deal with Iran, though? Because at the end of the day, I, I think the you're right, the Israelis will take care of what they need to do to eradicate Hamas and protect future generations of Israelis, because that's what this fight's about. But then there's Iran. 
And obviously with Iran, then you have Russia, you have North Korea, you have uh, China. I think you referenced them as the new axis of evil. That's right. right? How do you deal with Iran in the larger picture? Well, uh, you know... Uh, for the United States, you do with Iran how we did in the Trump administration under Mike Pompeo. Uh, you know, we treated them as the terrorist state that they are. They are the world's leading state sponsor of terror, uh, as designated uh, by multiple Republican and Democratic administrations. And you treat a terrorist state as a terrorist state. You don't treat them as someone who can be negotiated with a friendly, you know, nation. You know, the error, the massive error in the Obama administration in his second term of trying to negotiate a nuclear deal, you know, they thought they had this fantasy, total fantasy, that they could take a theocratic, revolutionary regime and turn it into uh, a moderating force in the Middle East. That obviously did not work. They got billions of dollars in sanctions relief, which they used to fund terrorism. As I just said in my speech and my remarks earlier, in the Biden administration, they've gone back to that capitulation, back to that appeasement policy. Uh, Hamas was receiving about $100 million a year from Iran. It's been $350 million, $350 million this year. Why? Because the Biden administration refuses to enforce the sanctions that are on the book. They just gave them $6 billion. I don't want to hear any more bullshit about, fun, about you know, oh, well, they haven't used the money yet. Uh, the $6 billion. Money is fungible. Right. They knew the $6 billion was coming. Why would you give $6 billion to uh, an organization that uses any extra money that they have? It doesn't go to schools. It doesn't go to bridges. It doesn't go to public health infrastructure. It goes to terrorism. And what does that terrorism go to do? It's not indiscriminate. That t The purpose of that terrorism is to wipe Israel off the state of the map and to attack America. When they chant death to Israel, in the next breath they chant death to America. This is our enemy as well. There's 27, at least 27 dead Americans. This is our fight too. Perfect. Morgan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Yes, sir. Thanks for being here. We hope to thank talk you. to you again. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, I think that's the best, one of the best parts about being at events like this is we're surrounded by people who think like, at least similarly to us, especially if you come from a blue state like Vermont, or, you know, we had, there were people here from Michigan and Florida and Washington, everywhere, all over the country. Uh, it was a big draw. And it's it very easy to feel like, I think the way you phrased it before is that you're a red dot in a blue sea. And it's very easy to feel alone out there in the world. And that was one of the things actually Katie Anderson talked about because she's always been a conservative even though she was a, she did a gender transition. And so she felt even more alienated because she couldn't talk about her politics in that crew. So when you get to be in a group of people who we have our differences, right? We may disagree on things, but in you, you generally, I, we don't disagree. I mean, people, we, I di oh, we disagree I, all the time. We disagree all the time. But, but the, but the, but the moral fortitude of the people in a room like this, when you're surrounded by other people who are standing up against the mob, against the wave, when the, the amount of encouragement and kindness and camaraderie, uh, it is just unmatched. 
it is well, unmatched. Moral of the story, if you get the opportunity to attend an event like this you or attend a rally, you really have to because, because yeah. all politics at the end of the day, Erica, yeah. is local. Yeah. All politics, all government should be local too, by the way, but that's a different discussion. But all politics, ladies and gentlemen, is local. And you really got that sense of that here, which is really great. I also want to talk to you a little bit because you actually had not one but two media personalities here. Yes. That you got you got to talk to Sean Spicer. Yep. Um, um, I don't know if you asked him about his Dancing with the Stars. I did. Did you? Okay. I did. I didn't get to hear that one, but so I need to even listen to that interview. Yeah. And you had Joe Pinion from Newsmax, who also yeah. former, former New York Senate candidate ran against Senator Schumer. Yep. And on a shoestring budget, did a you know, had a great results, didn't yep. win, unfortunately. Yep. So you spoke to both the media personality, so you're hobnobbing now? Yes. You know, that's why I'm like, I'm with my people. Talk to me about it. Like, come up, look at me in my press yeah, okay. pass. Um, oh, whoops, press yeah, I was pass. gonna say, the Valley Girl invitation doesn't press, work in New Hampshire. No, Just, it doesn't work. Okay. okay, no. No, it was really cool, though. Uh, Sean was a very interesting interview. He's one of those characters that I feel like has not really been given a fair shake in the public eye. Um, I think that there is such a, there was such a move against anybody who was on the Trump team to just absolutely destroy them. So it was nice to get to talk to him as a human being rather than just being this caricature on television. Uh, and Joe Pinion, you guys go check him out. Joe was great. Uh, that Joe. was a great interview. Joe was great. That was a great interview. And I learned, he, so he ran against Chuck Schumer, like right. you said. He surpassed expectation, got 2.5 million votes, I think he said. Chuck Schumer spent $30 million to run against that man. Okay? You don't spend and, money like that. And, and Joe Pinion spent? 500000 Right. So and you gave him a run and gave him a run for his money. So this is I, I told him he needs to run again. If you were able to have that kind of success, uh, we definitely need to, what can we do to help you raise your name recognition and run again? Because that sounds like a future win to me. Um, I think if there's a viable candidate and he now to me, based on his results, is a viable candidate. Yeah. Next time around, because I tell people, you know, obviously I've been in politics a long time. If you want to run for political office, you have to have the fire in your belly, not to yeah. run once, but to run twice. Yeah. Because unless it's an open seat, the likelihood is, depending on a lot of other variables, that you're going to have to run twice. Yeah. So you're going to run once. You form that you you form the, your organization. You get to meet the the donors. You. You know, you get crystallized on the issues that are important to you. Yep. You understand the process. Folks, if you've never been at what I call the Klieg lights, if you haven't had those, those shining lights on you mm. in the campaign, it's daunting and you have it to is. be on all the time and it's fatigued. And that's a good segue, by the way. So I don't want to talk about Kat Kamek. So Congresswoman Ooh. Kat Kamek. Oh, right? talk about so, fire in the belly. Fire. Well, not only fire in the belly. So the Congresswoman flies in at 1.30 in the morning last night. Really? Works the room. She's here to give a she speech. Looks she looks stunning, she, she, she perfectly gave, put she, together. She gave, us, she gave us time as well, and then she gave her speech, and then she had to had to leave. But I mean, it's and I want to talk a little bit about that interview in a second. But she had to. I mean, you have to have that fire in the belly. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't complain that well I didn't get enough sleep oh, or I didn't get something oh. to eat. Oh. So so someone like Joe Pinion, 
to come back to him for a second, is he should run again at some point, whenever yeah. it's right for him, because it takes twice. It takes two times to mm. do this. Yeah, yeah. So um, Kat Kamak is uh, a guest. She's from Florida. She's a representative from Florida. For those of you who don't know her, you have to go check out her social media. She has, she's great. She's great. At carrying the message, sharing the message. She's great at media. If anybody wants to learn how to be a candidate or somebody for office, she is a great person to look to as an example, uh, as as someone to watch, as someone to follow, uh, and as a leader in the Republican Party. I'm curious what she's gonna do, if she's gonna go on to further higher office at some point in the future. Did you talk to her about that at all? Does she have any aspirations? Uh, on the for record or off the record? Uh, <laughs> You'll have oh. to you will have to listen to the interview to, to, to find out that out. But what I will tell you, we did speak with her about New Hampshire one, New Hampshire two races because yeah. obviously, while New Hampshire, as you all know, as our listeners, is the only red state in the blue sea, that's at the state level. We have obviously two blue U.S. senators. We have two yep. blue Congress uh, congressmen and congresswomen. No, two congresswomen now. Yeah. I, I can never track that. Uh, That's okay. But she was really a force. And if you heard her speech, yeah, she talked about really what it was in D.C. And she did talk about the speaker's race and what's going on there, which was sort of an inside the politi inside politics conversation, which I personally like because it's sort of inside baseball, right? But she also talked about this whole sort of anger culture with within sort of politics mm. that that people are so angry that that they do things out of anger and again i'm yeah. paraphrasing these are my words not hers yeah um and how we really have to uh, uh and she's talking about within the party that there's there, that there's strife within the party and it's not like we all have to sing kumbaya and row the boat together kumbaya, but, but i said i said we don't have to kumbaya. sing kumbaya oh i said we don't oh don't right you, you can oh you don't you, know, you can sing, sing kumbaya. Well, I said for we our don't. Excuse me. I, I said we don't have to sing kumbaya. But you want to listen to the interview? It, it is a great, great interview, and I think we covered most of the people we spoke to. But yeah. I, but I'll tell you what yeah. I would like to do. Tell me. The first, and again, the presidential candidates were here. Yeah. I'm from Jersey, so I'm going to pull a, a Jersey thing. Oh. But but Governor Christie yeah. was not only the, you know, the first interview that we did yeah he was the first to speak at the first in the nation summit so because he was first all right and because jersey all things jersey right? uh, yeah jersey pride yeah, yeah. we're going to give you a sneak peek of the interview with governor chris christie which great interview yeah forceful unvarnished here's my interview with governor chris christie we'll see y'all next week Hello and welcome to Of The People. My guest needs no introduction. The former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, welcome to Of The People, Governor. Bob, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I first want to thank you for your moral clarity on Israel. It is evil and to hear someone of your stature call it out as evil is really relief because we see, we see not everyone is on the same page for that. No, not everyone is, but they should be because um, it's in Israel now, it could be in your backyard next. We have to stand up all the time against that kind of evil that's based upon prejudice and hate. Agreed. Before we even go there, let's talk about, you're running for president, of course. 
And you're the former governor of New Jersey, a blue state, and it's been a long time since New Hampshire has voted Republican. I believe it's George Herbert Walker Bush, mm -hmm. if memory serves me correctly. But you're basically running and saying, this is what I did in New Jersey. Here's what I can do for the country. So when you think back to your term as governor, your two terms, what are the th th two or three things you're most proud of that you want to say to the New Hampshire voters, hey, I did this for New Jersey. I can do this for New Hampshire and the country. Well, the first thing is that we we solved the pension and health benefit problem with public workers there by saving $120 billion in that plan by making sure they paid their fair share and making sure that we were not overpaying and make sure we put our contributions in as a state. Second, um, on education, we increase educational choice more than any governor in the history of the state. And so you have charter schools and renaissance schools that people are able to go to now in our worst school districts that have now increased reading scores and math scores by between 50 and 70 percent. Third, when we had a huge crime issue in the city of Camden, the most dangerous city in America when I became governor, we fired the entire Camden City Police Department. I love they that. weren't doing their job. We hired a new police department, trained them in community policing and in violence de-escalation. And 10 years later, Bob, the murder rate in Camden is down 75%. Really? It's about getting things done, working with everybody who's concerned about these problems and doing it. Appreciate that. S second question. Let's go to the Israel, the, the war or attack on Israel, unprovoked by Hamas. You said, and correctly so, that, and I'm paraphrasing, that Iran is the head of the snake. Your president. How do you deal with Iran? Because Israel will defend itself against Hamas. I, I don't have any doubt of that. But at some point, the end game has to be Iran. What would you do as president? Well, the Iranians need to understand that if what they're going to do is sponsor terrorism that kills Americans, that there will be retaliation, military retaliation from America, um, both by our army and by our intelligence community. And so what I would be asking for as president is a complete plan of options of how to retaliate most effectively against Iran and then implement the ones that I thought were the best. And it should not just be Israel on its own. Um, they can handle their problem, as you said. I believe that about the IDF. Sure. but. Um, Iran is a separate issue, and the Iranians need to know that they're not going to be able to sponsor terror that kills Israelis and kills Americans, and not have direct retaliation against them as well. I appreciate that. I was always taught that if Hamas lays down their arms, there is no war. If Israel lays down their arms, there is no Israel. That's, and there's no peace either. And there is no peace. Last question. Much broader, 50,000-foot view question. As I watch the debates, as I watch everything that's gone on within the Republican um, uh, campaigns, and the, I, I still am a Ronald Reagan guy, right? Thou shalt not speak ill against another Republican. And it's so hard these days. Big picture. Forget about uniting the country. How do you heal a nation? You're president. How do you heal a nation? By accomplishing things that make them feel like America can get things done again. I think when they look at having no speaker in the chair in Washington, debt that has been $13 trillion in debt added in the last right. six years to our debt, um, educational system that has 39% of our eighth graders not reading at grade level, they feel despondent and divided because the government doesn't accomplish anything. What I proved in New Jersey, in a blue state, is that conservative 
ideas can be adopted in states like that and under difficult times with clear, strong leadership that uses the bully pulpit and knows how to make a deal with the other side in order to make progress for our country. That's exactly what I will do is force, force the other side to make some agreements with us so that we can get things done in this country. Appreciate that. Governor, I know you're a busy man. Thank you for taking a couple minutes Bob, with us. I'll be back. Pleasure to see you. Thank uh, you. Come on the show anytime. Thank you very Folks, much. Folks, we're with Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey, former Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey, of the people. Thanks so much for joining us. Governor, thank you. Thank you, Bob. I'll be in touch. You got it. See you, Mallory. You got it. Thank you, Governor.